0: In recent years, mycorrhizal fungi have become the bees knees of agriculture. Specifically, when it comes to soil health. Now, putting aside for a moment that I've never understood the expression bees knees, mycorrhizal fungi are this vast network of nutrient exchange between plants and other microscopic critters you can find in the soil. Fortunately for agriculture producers, the management practices for maintaining this amazing nutrient exchange network tend to be the same ones a producer would use for good pasture management. Can this vast network under our feet help out cow-calf producers in a dry year though? Well, that's something we're going to explore right now. I'm Derek Leahy, and in this episode of Rural Rooster Climate Solutions, we're talking micro rhizofungi. Welcome back to the Rural Roots to Climate Solutions podcast, Getting Through Drought series. Our goals with this series are to provide cow-calf producers in Alberta with information on the best management practices that can help keep cow-calf operations profitable and sustainable during a drought or even after a drought. So far in the series, we've covered how to make a drought plan, dugout and riparian area management and feed alternatives. In this episode, we'll be discussing mycorrhizal fungi with Dr. Monica Gorzelak of Agriculture and AgriFoods Canada. Microscopic fungi that live in the soil might seem like an odd fit for a series that is focused on above ground BMPs. So what were we thinking here? Well, we figure knowing what's happening in the soil during a drought can help with the deployment of those BMPs, Plus, mycorrhizal fungi have emerged in recent years to be a really important part of soil health. So wouldn't you want to adjust your practices to help out that network of fungal activity in the soil that in turn will help out your ranch? I'm thinking you would. If I'm being completely transparent here, I did get pretty excited about the idea of doing this episode when I found out that mycorrhizal fungi can hold out longer in a dry year than soil bacteria. This may have influenced our decision to include this one in our Getting Through Drought series.
1: I am Monica Gorzlak. I am a research scientist with Agriculture and Agri-Food Canada, and I'm based out of Lethbridge. So I like to identify myself as a soil microbial ecologist, but my favorite microbes are mycorrhizas. So I like to think about mycorrhizas and design studies about mycorrhizas primarily because it's a symbiosis. So it's two very unlike organisms living together and helping each other succeed. And I think that's a very cool concept in nature. So I like to study it from an agriculture perspective and from a genomics perspective as well.
0: Do you have like a personal connection to agriculture? Like do you grow up on a farm or have farmers in the family, anything like that?
1: I don't, not at all. My connection to farming is that I've been working in this field for four years. So, you know, I've met a few farmers. I'm starting to learn about, you know, the issues facing farmers, but no question, I still have a long way to go um, with that. For sure, um, and I guess if nothing else, I think it gives me an outsider perspective. I am coloring outside the box in a lot of cases and thinking unconventionally about agriculture. I think because I'm not bound by kind of those assumptions. So it's my weakness and my strength, I think, to uh, to be an outsider.
0: Monica, I know exactly how you feel.
1: So mycorrhizas are soil fungi um, that are entirely dependent on plants. So fungi. Colonize plant roots they get into and inside the plant root cell kind of through a series of complex molecular mechanisms and they set up shop within the cell itself um, and create um, these beautiful arbuscular structures which kind of look like trees inside the cell so you need a microscope to see these things um, and that arbuscule is the Location of nutrient transfer between the plant and the fungus. So the fungus is entirely dependent on the plant for its carbon. So the plant will photosynthesize, create sugars, and give those sugars to the fungus, which then allows the fungus to grow and to create strands, which are called mycelium. And those will kind of spread out from the root system and spread beyond the root system in order to access uh, nutrients as well as water. So they almost end up acting like an extension of the root system. And so it gives the plant access to nutrients that it wouldn't otherwise uh, be able to have. And it exchanges those nutrients for the carbon that it's receiving from the plant.
0: I usually get my dumb questions out of the way at the start of an interview. So I asked Monica, because I've never fully understood this, why don't we just call... Mycorrhizofungi, soil fungi, the same way we call soil bacteria, soil bacteria.
1: Yeah, I mean, there is soil fungi and there's fungi that are potentially beneficial to plants that are not mycorrhizae. So mycorrhizae requires that kind of living togetherness of Myco being the fungus and rhiza being the root. So they form these physical structures. And I think it's probably because that's what was initially observed was these interesting structures that are formed inside the roots, essentially. And we've been able to show that it's actually a nutritional symbiosis. Um, and they, in the case of you know grasses, it's a mandatory dependence. So the fungus absolutely needs the plant. And the plant pretty much live without it if it has to, but in its most natural state. Almost all plants form mycorrhizas of some sort. So I guess the mycorrhiza is when you have that symbiosis within the root cell. Roots exude carbon, right? Like so, they're they're using carbon and they're using a mixture of carbon to attract beneficial bacteria. For example, they can attract beneficial fungi as well that might live near to or outside the root and those might be we would call those endophytes so like potentially beneficial endophytes which might be different from mycorrhizas because mycorrhizas form those like actually get into the cells and form these structures inside it's kind of a structural thing and maybe in terms of benefit probably depending on the plant you could get benefits out of you know an endophyte as well potentially so that's the difference right so they're fungi that are found in soil but they do this symbiosis therefore they're called mycorrhizas So some of the benefits of mycorrhizas, like beyond yield benefits, essentially, is that they provide like resilience to climate change, for example, right? If you want to use fewer nutrients, if you want to dump fewer nutrients, you can potentially rely on mycorrhizas to pick up those nutrients for you. Um, But you do have to back off the nutrients to support mycorrhizas. It's almost like I I like to think about it as like fast food for the plant, right? Like if you give... You know, it's, it's so easy to just, like, pick up fast food from the drive-thru, right? But if you want to eat something healthy, it takes effort to cook at home. So having a mycorrhiza is more like cooking at home and putting in the effort to, like, learn a recipe and and do all that. And you're potentially getting better nutrition out of that, right? Like, you can feed yourself out of a drive-thru, no question. But maybe that's not a good idea long-term. I guess that's how I think about mycorrhizas, right? They're a good idea in the long-term, in my opinion.
0: Up next... Monica answers the question that piqued my curiosity about fungi in drought. Can they outlast soil bacteria in a dry year?
1: Fungi are more resistant to drought, so they will persist longer than bacteria. And that's just due to body size, like bacteria are are really, really tiny. The fungi, well, we can't see them either, but they're a lot bigger. They're, you know, 10 to 100 times bigger and they are also modular. So as I was describing what they kind of look like, you're, you're thinking about a root system and then an extension of a root system. Those fungi, if it dries out on one side of the plant, they can kind of senesce those strands and move all their resources to the other side and extend further looking for a patch of water right so they can access more potentially more water for longer stay alive for longer the other thing that they do is they form networks if you have you know potentially two different plants they might be connected by that same fungus right so once that plant potentially succumbs to drought the fungus could continue living by colonizing an adjacent plant and at the same time they can move some of those resources from the dead and dying plant to, you know, the living, the still surviving plant in a drought. So that's particular to mycorrhizas, of course. There's other animals in the soil that, you know, are also competing for resources and might be eating the mycelia. Like it's food for, you know, it's food for nematodes. Protozoa do weird things in droughts as well. And I'm, you know, that's not my area of expertise, but it so so i guess that's why they persist right is i guess the body plan um and their function essentially so their function is to pick up nutrients and water and and potentially you know provide that resistance to change they're less resilient and by resilience i mean the ability to bounce back so they bounce back a lot more slowly than bacteria right so if, once you re-wet the soil the bacteria will just go poof you know, and start respiring almost immediately. Whereas the fungi will probably take a few weeks to get going again because they, you know, they might have sporulated. So then they have to recolonize from spores. You know, they take a while to get going again. They resist better, but they're less resilient, if you see what I mean.
0: So if mycorrhizal fungi are beneficial and can even help out a bit during a drought, how can cow-calf producers help them bounce back after a drought?
1: I guess I have two things that, I would like producers to think about, and I would like them to think about the variety of, or I guess the diversity of, root, of rooting systems of the plants that they're growing. So thinking about tap roots, fibrous roots, deep rooting plants, shallow rooting plants. So if you have a diversity of plants um, with a diversity of roots, you're going to create more opportunities to hang on to your mycorrhizas and to be resilient to drought situations. So the other aspect of that is trying to manage to keep plants that are alive throughout. basically throughout the growing season. So certain plants will be good at getting started early in the season. Some will really get going at the end of the season. So making sure that you have basically greenery going as long as possible because it's the photosynthesis that is pumping carbon into the soil and feeding mycorrhizae and feeding basically that engine of resilience to a drought event. If we're talking about like native ranges, right? So managing your range in such a way as to keep things green as much as possible and using grazing intelligently, right? So thinking about allowing plants that you're interested in maintaining, allowing them to recover, you know, so if it rains and things have been grazed well, You might want to pull the cows off to let those particular plants recover. So maintaining diversity, maintaining plant diversity is really probably going to be your best bet for kind of, you know, and I guess buffering, really buffering against um, drought events. And of course, if you have an extreme event, sometimes, you know, like if it's really extreme, that's not necessarily going to work, but at least it's expanding kind of your capacity to take, you know, episodic events. Basically, and to recover and to rebound basically after some drought.
0: Well, that makes sense. And, and Monica, and maybe my memory is not serving me correctly here, but d- did you mention something that mycorrhizal fungi help with water infiltration or water exchange?
1: No, that's right. So, I mean, I found this really cool study that demonstrated, at least in like a microcosm, that mycorrhizal plants will transfer, or micro, like mycorrhizals will transfer up to 30% more water than a plant without. So, yes, the water and kind of resistance to drought is well documented kind of a indirect benefit is uh, soil aggregation and improvement to soil structure so mycorrhizas form mycelia that glue soil particles together it's that glue that helps to create better soil aggregation and better soil aggregation holds onto water better in the long run so you're improving your soil structure you know and you're also adding like the mycelium and stuff is is an organic carbon right and higher organic higher organic carbon in soils will also retain water or hold on to water longer under the under drought conditions and normal conditions as well.
0: As the interview came to an end, I asked Monica if she had any stories from the drought of 2021 that she could share with us. I also asked her if mycorrhizal fungi networks can actually die out.
1: Yeah, I mean, I guess it's just mostly with like, it's mostly a sad story, unfortunately. (laughs) Um, And that's probably all you're hearing from folks. So some of the research that you know, the research that I do is I like to try to look at genomics in the soil. So I use genomic techniques to look at diversity and community composition. You know, we grab uh, soil samples, and we do some fancy genomics, and then we're able to make inferences about communities, about resistance, resilience of microbial communities. So we do a lot of that by looking at you know who's who in the soil and how are those communities changing. As well as that, we're trying to do some functional genomics, and that requires looking at RNA. Um, and RNA is really unstable anywhere, right? It degrades like crazy. But RNA basically is the messenger in the soil that shows what is going on functionally in the soil in that moment. Um, and I was, I had some really cool results in a particular field in um, somebody who's doing multi-paddock grazing was showing, you know, higher carbon, more interest, you know, more diverse carbon and a lot of organic carbon in the deeper layers. So I was really interested in understanding what microbially, what, what's functionally happening. Uh, but we went in and, you know, bothered to do one meter cores and stuff, and we got no RNA, like no function at all. Like we couldn't detect any of it. Whereas normally we can. So that's my sad story is that there's something cool going on at depth. You know, in this farmer's field, that I'm super like I'm. Maybe next year we can sample again, but I was just really keen to get at the function. I, I guess the microbial function at depth, because we're seeing some really interesting things happening at depth um, and potentially storing carbon deeper down, which you know obviously people get pretty excited about. So I got pretty excited about it too, but unfortunately we didn't get any RNA. So I guess I mean it's been hard on farmers, but I guess we're not getting any of the data that we really want either. <laughs> um, and it you know and it just it makes me think of like and that soil looked. Pretty pretty rough you know like it looked really dry okay. um and I guess I had high hopes but yeah it it's a, it was a sad soil and it was sad for for the research as well oh
0: well, I'm sorry to hear that I don't know if an entire mycorrhizal fungi network can die on somebody's like quarter section of land but like when it goes I don't know what the word I'm looking for dormant or it's just like you're saying you weren't really finding any rna in the soil how does it bounce back is it just somebody else's network creeps in from someplace else
1: well, luckily, at least mycorrhizal fungi are able to sporulate usually. So this can happen with you know crops as well. If the timing is really poor for the drought, then you know you really you can uh, the plants can really suffer. So, so especially when they're they're new, and especially when fungi are just becoming established. So let's think about an annual cropping system. So rather than a perennial system, because it's just a little bit easier to think about. So if you have like a new plant growing, it will take. Two weeks at least, and up to six weeks for the mycorrhiza to establish and to start um, sending out those tendrils to make those connections with adjacent plants. So, if you know, if the drought hits at that point, I mean, the plant's probably going to die too. Um, Like the crop's going to die too. But that's going to be really rough on, you know, and that's probably going to reduce how much is like remains in the ground. So you can colonize a new plant can be colonized from fragments of old roots that are. You know that are still in the ground as as well as spores so once the fungus or once the mycorrhiza goes through its life life history basically so it'll it starts from a spore and then you know it colonizes it grows out and then once you know the plant starts to die then it will also sporulate again and it dumps those spores back into the soil to colonize again the following year so having an untimely drought might interrupt that or reduce the number of spores unfortunately Yeah, so I mean, in a sense, I, the the network will die when uh, the plants that are supporting it die.
0: Okay. But
1: you can have above. You can, you know, native plants can desiccate above ground and still be, you know, the roots are still uh, maybe not super active, but at least alive, right? And things mm-hmm. will resprout in perennials from those ac- from those roots, you know, that are holding on to a bit of water still. So. That's a refugia potentially for mycorrhiza. A deeper rooting plants are also great refugia for mycorrhiza, you know, because they potentially have wetter and not as hot and dry you know, soils because they could reach a bit further. That's where the diversity of roots is important. Um, and keeping active and living plants is also important because it's directly feeding the mycorrhizas. But, you know, if you're at the point where you're quite dried out, but you're, you have you know a native pasture with native species that are tolerant of these droughts, They're still alive. They might be dormant. You know, they might have reduced their activity down very low, but there's still a little bit going on from which they're going to rebound once the water comes back. I saw that in the coolies as well, right? In Lethbridge, it was, you know, so, so dry for so, so long. And we finally got rain, you know, eventually, I think June, maybe. Mm -hmm. And things, you know, plants that hadn't even started the flowering and everything just happened two months later you know, than you would expect, essentially. Mm-hmm. So they do have that capacity to to buffer and to, you know, go through their life cycle a little bit later once there is a rain. So I guess that's the the beauty of native plants is that they're, they've seen some of this drought before and they do have a level of buffering capacity with when they can, you know, be active when that rain finally does come. Yeah, so shout out to, I guess, native prairie plants.
0: And to wrap things up, Monica's words of advice for you, If you're a cow-calf producer or really any kind of producer out there, if you're listening to this right now and you're faced with a drought.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think I'm coming back to kind of the same words of advice, which is think about rooting diversity and think about plants that you have that potentially root deeply, that create big masses of roots. So not just about above ground diversity, but also below ground, different root shapes. And those will create refugia not only for mycorrhizas, but for other, for the soil food web essentially, for bacteria, for nematodes, you know, for beneficials below ground that are going to create a diversity of species that are going to help make the plants ultimately more resilient through that diversity. Um, and then think about living in active plants. So if you're grazing, thinking about maybe you know pulling the cows off to let the plants rebound after it rains you know even if you're very keen to get them to uh chop down so thinking about ways you know and I'm not I don't run cattle right like I don't know how to do that necessarily but I've talked to you know I've talked to ranchers and I've talked to folks who are like in my system what needs to happen is you know in this case once it rains we have to let the plants rebound so I pull the cows off right so you know I've heard people say that and there's people who are actively managing these systems to make sure that You know, the plants that they're interested in actually do come back and that the cows don't overgraze and eat them potentially at the wrong time. You know, and I don't really know how to do that, you know, but it makes biological sense to me. And I think that's probably the best way to run a system actively to make sure, you know, with the ultimate goal of having active living plants. Um, For as long of that season as possible, you know, even if there's drought, you know, you just, how do you recover after that? The ideas are basically to have diversity over time and diversity over space. So above and below ground space, and that's going to create as much of an ecological buffer as we can handle to deal with potential droughts into the future.
0: We hope you enjoyed our 6th installment of the Getting Through Drought series. This is likely going to be the last one we get out there before Christmas, so stay tuned for more in the new year. If you want to geek out on soil health over Christmas, we recommend downloading and listening to episodes 11, 17 and 31, which are all about soil health, and episode 20, The Brown Revolution, which is about maximizing soil function. Rural Roots to Climate Solutions is an Alberta-based initiative empowering agriculture producers and the communities they live in with climate solutions. Rural Roots runs workshops, farm field days, webinars, and the Regenerative Agriculture Lab, produces a farmer's blog works with rural communities to develop their own renewable energy projects. And of course, we do this podcast. For more information about us and what we do, go to the website, which is www.rr2cs.ca. The rest of the amazing and talented Rural Roots to Climate Solutions team is Marie Galanca, Cheyenne Younger, and Kristen Mountain. The podcast is funded by a variety of Alberta-based funders, and the Getting Through Drought series is largely funded by results-driven Research or ARDAR. My parts of the podcast were recorded in Calgary so that means they were recorded on Treaty 7 lands and in the Métis Nation of Alberta Region 3. Happy farming wherever you are in Alberta and remember what's good for the climate is good for the farm.